Hello, Scooper Troopers and Scat Sacks. I love that one. This is Mr. Scriptkeeper along with Mrs. Scriptkeeper. We're in the house and we're doing a dipshit files once again. Hello, hello. This is episode 23. And this one, we're going to the national park system. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at unexplained disappearances. Yes. So we're going to dig through this and see if we can find some dipshits. Yeah. So this is another dipshit files. <laughs> So as always, I have no idea what you prepared for us. So as, like everyone else, I'm waiting along with you to find out, you know, what the hell, well, what I'm are ex- we going to learn about? I'm excited to share. And so we've got people disappearing from the parks. Is mm. this like nobody well, knows what happened? Yep. Yeah, this has been going on for a very long time. Well, there's not much to set this up. Why don't we just get right into it? Sounds good to me. All right. Scoutcast presents unexplained disappearances in the national park system. It seems the majority of us are drawn to stories about the missing. I don't care for them. We pick over the details preserved about those who have mysteriously disappeared, facts that have been recorded by the media or shared by the family. Most of those who are missing become lost to time, and I think this may be part of the allure of these stories. Yeah, probably. We can project onto them our own beliefs and insecurities. Don't mind if I do. We can entertain the illusion that we're preparing in some way to avoid their fate while confronting our own mortality. drawn to these stories because we're trying to understand. However, there are some cases that cannot be understood, at least not completely. Because Bigfoot don't give interviews. Mr. Bigfoot, over here. Mr. Bigfoot. Yeah, my client doesn't take questions. Mr. Foot. Mr. Foot, did you eat those campers? That's enough. My client will be releasing a statement soon. In an attempt to escape the daily grind of everyday life and the sights and sounds of the city, a record number of Americans have surged to visit national parks in the past couple of years. Yeah, my job is very stressful. I'm going to go hang out with bears now. With the expectation of clean air, open space and solitude, these visitors are seemingly unaware of dangers yet to be uncovered. Dun, dun, dun. There are roughly 640 million acres of federal land considered to be national parks and forests. Wow. These lands are overseen by the National Park Service on behalf of its parent agency, the Department of the Interior. Which is run by a coalition of elected deer. It's a lot of territory to cover and manage, and it's a lot of area to get lost in. Which is our planet's way of advertising to you to stay the fuck away from there. One expert has conservatively estimated there are 1,600 missing person cases within the United States, national parks, and forests. Damn, Yogi the Bear's been busy. Hey, boo-boo. What is it, Yogi? I ate this picnic basket. That's not a picnic basket, Yogi. That's a human being's face. Oh. Ranger, whatever his name's gonna be really mad. Well, this is his picnic basket. Oh, well, I guess he doesn't have an opinion. These people vanished on public lands and remain missing under unexplainable circumstances. Aliens, boom. Others have estimated it could be between two and ten times as many. David Polites is the leading civilian expert who began researching, tracking, and exposing these cases. Polites is a former police officer and an investigative journalist who received a tip from a Yosemite National Park ranger. I can't really talk on the phone. They're listening. 
No, no, they're bears. They have really good hearing. Yeah, yeah, everyone's in it. All the bears. Fozzie Bear, Yogi, Berenstein Bears. How the fuck am I supposed to know if they're communist bears? I'm a park ranger. The ranger explained that the National Park Service would mobilize resources, coordinate manpower, and spare no expense while the cases were the focus of media attention. Mm. However, as publicity and search and rescue efforts faded, what cases? the cases were forgotten. Shit. Pilates filed Freedom of Information Act requests, petitioning for a list of the disappearances that have occurred within our national parks. He received a response from an attorney who initially balked at this request until eventually stating that no central database existed. He proposed that one could be created for the Yosemite National Park, but Pilates would need to cover the costs, estimated at $34,000. Fucking yikes. Additionally, they offered to complete a master database for all 383 national parks for a fee of $1.4 million. Oh, I love it. Now the government's all fiscally conscious as a few normies go missing. Just a few more for you to sign, Mr. Congressman. Oh, yeah, what's this one? Is this a tank? Uh, no, that one's to fund an orphanage. Uh, an orphanage of military-grade children? No, just regular-grade children. Uh, uh, no, thank you. What's this one? Uh, it's $1.3 million to... To help build the jet fighter wing? Uh, no, to help find uh, 1,600 people. What, like citizens? Yeah, it just helps kind of get some data together. Wait, you want me to help normal, normal people? Oh, Congressman, Congressman! For this reason, there is no way of knowing how many have gone missing because, disturbingly, there is no centralized registry or database to catalog and track these specific disappearances. Okay. This discovery is what led Pilates to form the Missing 411 and Can-Am Missing Projects. Well, that's how you fucking citizen right there. Well done, sir. The first book, Missing 411, Western United States, sparked national interest, and Pilates has since written more than a half a dozen additional books, developed a TV series and documentaries, and spoken publicly about national park disappearances. These are titled after the phone number that can be dialed by Americans to reach the local information directory, 411. So this is the backstory of the 411 guy. The titles are supposed to be interpreted as, quote, missing information, unquote. In these books, Pilates has collected and compiled cases according to geographic clusters. During his research, he claims to have discovered some commonalities. Aliens. These outlier cases could not be explained by animal predation, mental illness, criminality, voluntary disappearance, or other causes, and yet they shared uncanny and unexplained commonalities. These profile points have changed over the years. For example, some that were described by Pilates in an interview with Art Bell in 2015 were not included in his most recent documentary, Missing 411, The Hunted. Therefore, the following list may seem longer than usual for those familiar with the topic. That would not be me. It's said that the unexplained and strange disappearances in our national parks share many of these following characteristics. Aliens. This is the composite Missing 411 profile. Okay. Victims who go missing are usually on either extremes of the intellectual spectrum, ranging from the highly intelligent to those who are struggling with mental disabilities. Hmm. Victims who go missing are usually on either extremes of the physical spectrum, ranging from very, very fit and active to those who are disabled or sedentary. So people pushing themselves because they're in peak condition and also people that are still pushing themselves, but it's like, this is not my couch. I'm going to go pet that buffalo's face. Time of day is often mid to late afternoon for the disappearances. That's peak alien time, bro. Severe and inclement weather coinciding with the disappearance or the beginning of the search. Geographical clustering, meaning more than one missing person within a specific area. And victims go missing near large bodies of water, Aliens. boulder fields, or berry bushes. 
I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> going for some berries. Right. What are you doing, Yogi? Hey, Boo-Boo. I guess them picnic baskets like them berries. Oh, that's a person. <laughs> oh, that's right, Boo-Boo. Yeah, we went over this. You're killing people. What am I going to do, Boo-Boo? Well, you'll probably be put on death row, Yogs. I need legal representation, Boo-Boo. If the victim is recovered, they have no memory or they have surreal narratives to explain their disappearance. Fairies got me. Yes. Smurfs. A cause of death is typically undetermined. Right. And bodies are often recovered in areas that have already been thoroughly covered by search and rescue. Well, that's got to be aliens. Search and rescue will be unable to find any tracks, or if tracks are found, they will somehow vanish mid-path. Well, that could be the time period where Jesus is carrying them, or once again, aliens. Search and rescue dogs will be unable to pick up their scent, or they will refuse to pursue the scent if found. Hey, what's wrong with the canine? Well, it could be one of a few things. See, mm-hmm. it could be a wendigo. Mm-hmm. It could be a skinwalker. Right. It could be that the dog is poorly trained. Mm-hmm. It could be that I got a snowsage in my pocket that wants it real bad. Well, could you get the dog back on the trail, please? I may have brought too many snowsages. One or both shoes are missing from the body of the victim. And despite traveling great distances, the victim's bare feet will be surprisingly unscathed. That's weird. And lastly, victims are found in areas that are difficult, if not impossible, to reach, especially in the time that had elapsed from when they were first declared missing. Well, to be fair to the wackadoodles, that is the place where the UFOs and the Sasquatch and the Wendigos are going to be. They're not going to do it next to the ranger stations, what I'm saying. Those are the commonalities. Hmm. And, and as I read through these stories, you'll see how these, I I point them out. You'll Mm -hmm. see how they fall in. So while I'm not trying to debunk the missing 411 profile, it is worth noting that some of these points could be explained by a sampling bias. For example, those who go missing in the late afternoon would be reported at a time when visibility is low and search and rescue operations may be delayed until sunrise. Similarly, those who go missing before inclement weather would have a higher likelihood of not being found because visible tracks would be diminished, visibility would be low, search and rescue operations would be impaired, and scent trails would be dampened. Plus, it's tough to know how many snossages to bring. Also, individuals who remain missing would have a higher likelihood of canine units being unable to find their scent. I don't know if this is related, but a lot of government dogs are on the sauce. Sorry. A found scent would lead to a higher likelihood of a found person. Good puppy. The following are a collection of select cases to illustrate some of the strange phenomena that Missing 411 is trying to explain. Yeah, so here's a handful out of 1,600. National Park Missing Persons, number one. Eh. On the morning of March 14th, 2014, Dr. James McGrogan hiked into the wilderness outside of Vail, Colorado with a group of physicians. He had recently accepted a job as an emergency room physician in Indiana. Home state of the shitbox wizard, just saying. And he was ready for a wintry trip into the mountains with friends. The group embarked on Spradle Creek Trail toward Eisman Hut. They brought split boards, which are snowboards that split into two halves that allow for cross-country skiing when traveling uphill or touring. Fucking smart, bro. The trail was a steep climb through nine miles of difficult terrain. Probably where bears live. The area was blanketed in snow, but the path was compacted and easy to identify. Especially if you're a bear. It may have been a difficult trek, but McGrogan and his friends were experienced and well-prepared. McGrogan himself was in excellent physical condition, previously completing a marathon run. He was equipped with a working cell phone, 
extra phone battery, and GPS tracker. He had food and water supplies in his pack, too. The group stopped to take a break after a few hours, but McGrogan pushed onward. That sounds like something McGrogan would do. They planned to meet up further up the trail. However, this is the last time McGrogan was seen alive. The group continued on the trail after only a few minutes, but they didn't encounter McGrogan at the designated meeting spot. They continued on the trail, and upon reaching the Eisman hut, there was still no sign of McGrogan. Hmm. So the group of friends called McGrogan in as missing, and Eagle Valley Sheriff's Department searched on foot and by snowmobile. AKA snow machine, calm down, Alaska. Three helicopters assisted in the search, and they covered over 18 square miles for the next five days until bad weather drove them to end the search. 20 days later, hikers found McGrogan at the bottom of an ice fall in Booth Falls, four and a half air miles east of the Eisman Hut. Yikes. The area had already been searched multiple times by search and rescue. Authorities reported that parts of Vale could actually be seen from where McGrogan's body was recovered. Oh, shit. The coroner determined that James McGrogan died of multiple injuries sustained to his head, chest, and leg. He was found with head trauma and a broken femur, and he was partially undressed. He was not wearing his coat, gloves, or boots. However, his coat was found within his backpack. He was still wearing his helmet. Hmm. McGrogan would have had to climb and descend nearly 5,200 feet in steep elevation, requiring a path that likely traversed 10 to 16 miles, switchbacking to safely navigate the slopes. He would have had to cross Middle Creek and fought his way through the snowdrifts of up to 30 feet. Wow. McGrogan meets many of the criteria outlined in the missing 411 profile here. Right. He was intelligent and physically fit. A doctor. He disappeared in mid-afternoon, and his search was halted by severe weather. He was found at the bottom of an icefall in an area that had already been thoroughly searched. He seemed to have vanished off a clear trail with no visible tracks. He had removed his boots before the incident, and he was in a dangerous and difficult place to reach. So why didn't McGrogan activate his GPS transponder? No idea. Polites confirmed the area where McGrogan was found had cellular reception, so why didn't McGrogan dial for an emergency rescue? How could he have traveled such distances across difficult terrain, and how did he sustain concussive injuries to his head, chest, and leg? Well, let's talk about this one. This is okay. pretty crazy. Yeah. So two doctors. Well, a group of a doctors. A group of doctors, yeah. Right. So four and a half hours off from where they were supposed four to be. And a, four and a half miles. Oh, four and a half miles. His body was found four and a half miles from uh, east of the hut. So four and a half miles away from so, where he was supposed to end up. And this was just a straight path, right? It says that it was clear cut straight up. Yeah. It was nine mile path. Okay. Uh, he was four and a half miles off the path, and it was very clear. It was uh, compacted and clear. What's crazy is that he saw the city where his, if he could have, if he was still alive, if he wasn't drugged there. Right. So he would have been able to find his way home well, from there. If, if he was, well, I'm sure he's way up in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, just go straight. Right. Just go, that's straight where Vale is. down the side of the mountain. Yeah, it's easy to say that, Zach, you dumb fuck. Yeah, so that he was seen in an area dead um, where... Yeah, he could. They could see Vale, so mm. they could see the city of Vale. Yeah. That's awful. Right, I know. Well, let's do the next one, shall we? Okay. Mysterious park disappearance case number two. 
Bart Schleyer was a practice outdoorsman and an accomplished wildlife biologist with experience in the grizzly bear recovery project in Yellowstone and tiger conservations in Siberia. Hello, comrade. What did you figure out about the tigers? Uh, yeah, to save the tigers, we're going to have to uh, eat them. What do you mean we have to eat them? Yeah, most people just don't give a shit about animals unless they're in hot pockets, man. We don't want to fucking eat tigers. I don't know what to tell you, man. This is how people are. I'm fucking, I don't know. Schleyer was also an avid and experienced hunter, and he was prone to spending weeks or even months in the wilderness bow hunting wildlife. Okay. Schleyer was last seen alive by the pilot who flew his chartered float plane to Reed Lakes in the Canadian Yukon Territory on September 14th, 2004. The plane would return two weeks later to pick up the hunter, but he was nowhere to be found. Now, Schleyer was well prepared for this trip. He brought three action packer crates full of gear. Hmm. One crate was filled with canned food that would last a couple of weeks. The second crate was filled with his clothing for the trip. And the third contained his camping gear, including a tent, sleeping bag, inflatable boat, and more. After he was reported missing on September 30th, Mounties from the RCMP in Whitehorse, over 175 miles away, investigated the campsite. They found the remains of a meal at his camp and the food crate secured. They discovered his boat a half a mile from camp in the brush shore of the lake. It had also been secured at both ends in the thick brush. With the weather deteriorating, the Mounties speculated that Schleyer had hiked to the Klondike Highway. However, his friends were adamant that this was not a possibility as he had never contacted them. Dissatisfied with the RCMP response, a friend of Schleyer's in Whitehorse named Dib Williams returned to the campsite with a friend. They found Schleyer's camp. The tent had actually been knocked down and they discovered his backpack, bear spray, VHF radio and knife on site. Hmm. Williams and his friend returned the next day to continue the search around the boat. Less than 200 feet into the woods, they discovered Schleyer's bow and handmade arrows in a buckskin quiver. They also found a bag full of gear. Many speculated this was a blind and Schleyer had been sitting on his pack prepared to call and hunt moose. In broadening their search, the two found a camouflage mask with some hair and blood inside. On October 3rd, Mounties returned to the scene with conservation officers and civilians to begin a grid search. Further searching turned up a baseball cap, camouflage pants, and camera, and none of these were damaged, scratched, torn, or bloody. Then, bones were discovered 200 feet from there. The teeth were used to identify the bones as those of Schleyer. Speculation centered on bear or wolf attack. However, the site of a death struggle was never found. Hmm. The surrounding area was covered in undisturbed moss. That moss didn't give a fuck. The clothing would have been damaged and soaked with blood. Additionally, scat from bears and wolves nearby were collected and tested, and while they did contain bone, there was no signs of fabric. In other instances of bear attacks on humans, clothing is found mixed with the remains in the bear's excrement. In other cases, bears will cache their prey, meaning they will bury or partially cover it and then they return at a later date. But there was no such cache nearby. Oh, what are you doing with that shovel, Yogi? Hey, boo-boo, I'm burying the picnic baskets, boo-boo. Oh, God, that's a lot of people. Hey, boo-boo. Yeah, what is it, Yogi? I wish I would have learned what picnic baskets were before I killed all these people. Yeah. Lastly, bears do not seek to incapacitate or slay their prey. It simply rushes in like a locomotive and knocks its prey to the ground, and once the prey is down, the bear pins it with its paws 
and starts to feed. It doesn't need to kill you first. So this is this would have led to a gruesome and messy scene. But I know it was an interesting little tidbit that I found. I didn't know that. But searchers could they could find nothing of the sort. His campsite and bag were left undisturbed. But attacking animals would likely return to investigate, especially for the canned goods. Bears can and will eat through tin cans. Schleyer meets many of the criteria outlined in the missing 411 profile here as well. He was a bright and accomplished outdoorsman who was physically capable of withstanding the toughest climbs. The inclement weather of the Canadian tundra impacted search efforts by both the RCMP and Schleyer's friends. He disappeared near the Reed Lakes in an area that had been previously searched by the RCMP. The cause of death could not be determined. Some speculated that he suffered a bear attack. Don't go where bears are. But there was no clear sign of a death struggle. No fabric in nearby grizzly excrement, and no tooth marks on the recovered portion of Schleyer's skull. Hmm. Schleyer was an avid outdoorsman and an experienced hunter with a past of recovering grizzly bears. With his past, how could he have suffered a surprise bear attack? Well, you see, the bears had been plotting for years. Sorry. How had his clothing been removed without claw or tooth marks? Because he was getting all busy with himself. <laughs> and with no sign of a struggle or remains nearby, what happened to Schleyer in those woods? He was beating his meat, and then the then he little got bear attacked. came along and was like, what you doing? And he's like, ha! Ah! So, so what did he do? He did a strip tease for the bear because there was no cloth found. Or the bear actually just gingerly ate around No, he took all his clothing. clothes off. He was beating it buck naked in the woods, having a good old time. I mean, what's the point of going into the woods if not to do that? Oh. That's well, my theory. Okay. Well, what a fucking dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, I am. Next. Okay, so next story. These stories are totally selling me on going camping. Yeah. This one is a gentleman named Mike Peterson. Okay. On June 4th, 2017, Mike Peterson headed out for a lone hike in West Yellowstone. Nope. He wore an orange hunting vest and waders, and he was well-equipped packing bear spray, food, and a firearm. He began down a familiar trail, one he had hiked with his children many times in the past. In fact, he was so familiar with the trail that he knew exactly the areas where he would have cell service. So throughout the hike, he texted his girlfriend, Bonnie Sanger, who was at a different area of the park. And he arranged for her to pick him up at 6 p.m. and they would start a fire cook dinner and relax. Sanger arrived at the arranged location at 6 p.m., but there was no sign of Peterson. Mm. Still, she waited for him, and at 7.20 p.m., she heard four gunshots in the woods. At that point, alarmed, she called the local sheriff's office, and a search and rescue operation began at 10 p.m. Over 40 individuals participated in the search and rescue, including canine units and helicopters. They combed the park in search of Peterson, but severe weather impaired the search, grounding the helicopters for a time. It wasn't until three days later that they found Peterson's body in Beaver Creek. Searchers found Peterson's orange vest and bear spray half a mile away from the river. Upon further searching, they discovered his pack and firearm in a second location. Hmm. Some speculated that Peterson had been surprised and driven into the water by a bear, but the search and rescue team never uncovered 
any bear tracks around Peterson's body or any of his belongings. Ghost bears. Mike Peterson matches more of those missing 411 profile points. He was a physically fit outdoorsman with backcountry experience, and he was familiar with the area. He disappeared in the late afternoon, and his disappearance coincided with Jeff Murphy, another hiker Mm. who disappeared from Yellowstone in the same week. The search for Mike Peterson was impaired by severe weather, and he vanished into Beaver Creek. I like to do that sometimes, too. The sheriff's office speculated that Peterson had crossed the creek early in the morning, but snowmelt upstream earlier in the day had dramatically increased the height and speed of the water when he returned. They guessed that he had been swept off his feet and drowned. But that doesn't explain why Peterson would have left these items behind if Mm. he had planned to return to Spanger. As an experienced outdoorsman, he had enough supplies and a means of communication to signal for help and wait. So why wouldn't he have returned to an area with cellular reception and informed her of the dangers of the Rising Creek? Hmm. While Peterson was recovered, many questions still remain and will likely never be answered. Okay, so we don't even really know who shot the gunshots, if it was him. Exactly. There's no information. There's very little information on all of these. Yeah. To, and that's like the government kind of, there's our dipshits for this show. Right. Where they do a good job when people are missing. Yeah. Um, and especially if the news is watching. Right. But then they kind of drop the ball on in the investigation afterwards It's, it's the really closure. Yeah, it's really weird. So the, the sheriff's office and search and rescue, they hit it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't find anything within a short period of time, and I don't know how short that period is but seems as if if they don't get encouraging information it just kind of tapers off yeah you know we know a couple park rangers in our life a mm -hmm. couple scientists that are in the parks and Mm -hmm. stuff we should ask them what they think about this and info at scatcast.com let us know what you think if you're part of this field if it's kind of goofy i would love to hear about it it seems to me and this is just my opinion and it's just from reading this stuff. It Illuminati seems, shit. It's Illuminati. Shit. It seems to <laughs> me that if you go missing uh, in a state park, um, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> so, and I can understand maybe maybe um, you know clues, forensic clues are, are impossible to, to to find. Must be potentially if you go missing in the city. There's people to talk to. There's cameras. There's no interviewing bears. Exactly. And yeah. if you go missing out in the wilderness, they're like, well. All we got are these very basic things, and if we can't find them, we wait until the smell starts, and then we'll follow our nose. Can I throw this out there? Yeah. I think the underlying theme of today's show is, Mm -hmm. uh, don't go where bears live. (laughs) You know? Hey, Jeff, if you're listening, buddy, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing, man? Get away from them bears. He's like, in fact, I'm right now, as we're recording this, he's I think at, he's, he's probably looking, looking at, at a bear. bear. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's check out the next one. I'm serious when I say this. I will probably never camp again. Yeah. Our next story is a pair. So this is David Horsey and Frederick Hardesty. They went camping on the North Nahanni River in the Northwest Territories of Canada on June 12th, 2005. The two friends traveled to the area on a wilderness hunting trip, and they stayed approximately 77 miles north of Fort Simpson. David and Frederick were both described as experienced bushmen, comfortable in the rugged outdoors. They were set to explore the Nahanni Park Reserve, which was christened in 1976. Its name comes from the indigenous language of the Dene people, who have occupied the area for thousands of years. Their oral history contains many references to the Naha tribe, which means the people over there. The Naha lived in the mountains and regularly descended into the lowlands on raids. However, it's been recorded that these people mysteriously and abruptly vanished from the area. Hmm. 
Geographically, the reserve contains parts of the Mackenzie Mountains and Virginia Falls, a waterfall twice the height of Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. It is largely composed of backcountry terrain, thousands of square miles that have been largely unexplored. Even now, some areas remain accessible only by air, water, or arduous hiking. Ron Gunderson, a mutual friend, offered his cabin to Horsey and Hardesty, and when he left them on June 12th, both men were still alive. Four days later, he noticed smoke from small fires as he returned to find the two men missing. When he tried the doors to the cabin, he found that they were locked. Inside, it was still well supplied with food and firewood. But then they heard this sound, and yet another installment in the franchise was born. But concerningly, the men had left their firearms behind. Hmm. On June 18th, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police were called to investigate. They could find no reason why the men had abandoned the security of the cabin without their firearms. Search teams were called to the area, and they focused their efforts on the Nahanni River. They employed canines and aerial search units equipped with thermal imaging, and their search continued until June 23rd with no results. Joseph Horsey, David's stepbrother, participated in the search party, and he claimed to have found strange things at the Gunderson cabin. He told reporters, quote, There were bullet shots all over the place, and there was a gunshot in the floor. End quote. Hmm. I know. What the fuck was going on there? The search operation was continued by friends and family, and on June 27th, David Horsey's body was found in thick brush. A corporal of the RCMP, Al Shepard, confirmed that the area had already been well-searched several times previously. Hmm. Strangely, Horsey's body was found with burns on his hands and arms. Well, there were fires. The search was initiated again, and the authorities returned with search dogs on July 5th. With the precisely correct amount of sausages. On July 8th, a search team found Hardesty floating in the Nahanni River nearly 12 and a half miles away from the cabin. Very sad. Similarly, this area had already been combed by searchers in canoes and on foot. Horsey was determined to have died of hypothermia in the autopsy and Hardesty had drowned. This case also fits several of the missing 411 profile points. Right. So the two men were in good physical condition and they were avid outdoorsmen. The victims went missing near the Nahanni River, which became the focus of the search efforts early on. Both bodies were recovered in areas that had already been thoroughly searched. Right. And despite the re- remote location, the men had left no trail exiting the cabin. Could be a jetpack situation. And although search teams had explored the areas where the bodies were found, canine units never uncovered their scent. So there's like 5,000 little mysteries in this one. Right, right, They're right. All, nothing makes sense on this Mm-mm. one at all. Uh, <laughs> what well, I... Okay, so first of all, the things that that, uh, I found very interesting is uh, the cabin was locked from the inside. Weird. Very strange. Brother, uh, stepbrother or brother-in-law or whatever, found gunshot in shot gun like, like somebody fired a gun inside the cabin yeah, and then blew a hole in the floor it sounds a- like evil dead shit was going on <laughs> evil dead 2 or some shit out in the woods <laughs> fucking well or ash shooting his hand off or ad- whatever the fuck he did additionally there's Cutting fires there's little fires around the cabin that makes no sense that we're still smoking i don't know why it could have been if there's firewood inside the cabin and firearms and food why were they outside of the cabin another thing that this could be yeah is a bunch of traumatic head injuries like serious like who knows i mean both of them i don't know i mean that's kind of weird maybe they both hit each other over the head with a shovel or something right. at the same time I don't so know. a bunch of tbis is what it did seems this. i mean it could be 
Like that last one could have been. Maybe. He just hit his head because he had a head problem before. Like, he, And he hurt his shoulder in the last one. And this one, I don't know. <laughs> they both would have had to hit each other in the head. Okay, so. I don't know. One guy was found in heavy brush. Fine. I can understand how helicopters and planes and all that couldn't yeah. find him. The other dude was found 12 and a half miles away. Yeah. How did they, in an area that was thoroughly searched several times. How did they miss it? It's like the ketchup bottle, I think. Or your keys, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, it's got to happen to everybody in every situation. So it's like you're in the fridge and you're like, where's the fucking ketchup, bro? And you're uh-huh. moving the ketchup out of the way to find the ketchup. <laughs> and then you go find somebody that's usually very critical of you. Yeah. And and then they find it immediately. And then and, and you're then, like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. And then she looks at you and says, yeah. like I said, yeah. left side. Left side, right in the front. Right in the front. Right in the front. It's actually sitting but right you, next to the, the salad dressing. You know, I hate to say that, but <laughs> park rangers, you know, they might feel, they might have those kind of days. One thing that we should wonder about right. as we're doing this as gumshoes is, is, you know, what is the, the data show as far as like people, people, people go missing and then mm-hmm. how often are they found? What, mm-hmm. what percentage? I'm sure that data is not out there because who knows? Out of the but, U.S. parks? We can't. Yeah. We don't even know how many have gone missing. That's insane. So that <clears throat> those numbers aren't going to be found. But that would be right. a good way. You know, it's like we find most of them. Right. You know, it's like eighty nine percent of the time, if you go missing within the first twelve hours, we find you. You know, right. or something like that. Right. So I don't know. Well, it would be great to have those numbers, and that's. I hate shitting on people's professions that I'm not. In, I have right. no idea about, we're, and we're, we're not. We're not. We're not. We have a lot of questions. A a we have bit. a lot of questions. I do Step find it. Step it up, guys. Step it up. <laughs> Step up that data. I do find it very interesting that there is no database hmm. for missing persons within U.S. parks. That's weird. That is troubling. And that other the guy the guy that started all of this stuff, all the four one one guy, yeah. yeah, he had to spend his own money basically, or or start his own agency to do it. Well, he started his own agency to because not he's not going to spend thirty four thousand dollars just to come up with a database of for missing people park. for Yosemite. Yeah. That's yeah, it's just dumb. That's funny, but we do spend a lot of money on like, it, what happens if you give cocaine to lobsters? I know. You know. It's like I don't know. Let's do it. Four million dollars. It's very, oh, very four. odd. Yep. But again, my own ignorance. I don't know if, if jacked up. They lobsters. do this for a reason, you know, Idiot, to, to keep know. the bears safe or something. There might be some, you know, counterintuitive know. reason I... that the park rangers do what they do. You guys, let us know. Info at scatcast.com. Yes. But this one to me just seems like it's either an Evil Dead situation mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they it, they were looking for ketchup and they just missed it. There's like a guy with an orange shirt waving at him. He's like, I don't see anything but trees. And right, like, right. Fucking guy. I don't know. But <laughs> right. Uh, also, the the place was where. Uh, the natives, I guess, had lived for a long time, and then they kind of mysteriously yeah, they disappeared as well. Poof. Yeah. So this whole thing, it's like just stay out away, stay away from where bears live. Yeah. Especially this place. Especially if natives have gone mysteriously disappeared yeah. in the past. Because there's ghost bears. <laughs> All right, let's do the other one. The next one. Not to be not to be confused with guard bear. No, ghost bears distinct from guard bear. Not only do I not want to camp anymore, I barely want to go get the mail. Fuck bears. Eh? So, next story. We've got Joe Elliott Blakesley and Amy Linkert. On September 13th, 2013, Joe Elliott Blakesley and Amy Linkert traveled to the Craters of the Moon National Monument in Idaho, which is located in the Snake River's Plain. It's one of the youngest volcanic areas in Idaho, and it contains the best preserved flood basalt areas in the continental U.S. It's a vast ocean of lava flows, and it can make for treacherous terrain. Elia Blakesley was an Idaho native. Same She had earned her bachelor's and master's degree in zoology before earning 
her MD. Nice. She was a physician at the Snake River Correctional Institution, and her friend Amy Linkert was a retired teacher from the Meridian School District. The two were in their 60s, but they were active and familiar with the outdoors. Amy's niece described the two as avid hikers and survivalists. Hmm. On September 19th, they were spotted at a campground nearly 18 miles away. The two didn't return on September 20th as planned, and when Joe failed to show up for work on the 24th, her co-workers reported her missing. Their vehicle was discovered at Tree Mold's trail, and it contained their dogs, cell phones, and other supplies, indicating the two women expected to only be away for a short time. Yeah, you don't leave your dog. Or the Googler. Family members assured investigators that the woman would not stray far from the vehicle or break off the trail. At the time, the federal government was shut down, but... Ten furloughed Park Service rangers searched on foot anyway. Nice. An official search didn't begin until nearly a week later. Canine search teams and foot patrols joined the ten searchers as the government exited its shutdown. The National Guard sent two Black Hawk helicopters and planes participated in aerial searches for the two women. They spent 6,000 volunteer hours looking for the women, traversing difficult terrain in unpredictable weather. In the summer months, the sun bakes the black lava flows, and surface temperatures can reach as high as 170 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. On September 25th, the search area was expanded, and searchers discovered Amy Linkert's body two miles off the trail of the rugged lava rock. She was face up in a lava field, wearing only a short-sleeved shirt and pants. She didn't have her jacket, backpack, or supplies. An official cause of death was never released. However, it's theorized that she may have died from exposure and dehydration. It was later determined that a storm hit the area around the same time the women had arrived. Only a few days after they were reported missing, another thunderstorm delayed the search efforts. And it wasn't until nearly a month later that they found the body of Joe Elliott Blakesley. She was two and a half miles from the vehicle, and it was about a mile from where Amy Linkert was recovered. Her body was in an area that had been thoroughly searched by helicopters over the previous month. Later, rescuers determined that canine search teams had been within 200 yards of her body. Mm. One of the handlers recalled the dog pursuing a scent in the area and then seemingly losing or refusing to continue. Likely due to an improper amount of snosages. She was found near the open edge of a lava flow, and recovery of her body was delayed due to the extremely difficult terrain and poor weather. What drove these two experienced outdoors women to leave their phones, supplies, and dogs in their vehicle and just take off? Crack. Why did they strike out from the safety of the trail? Crack. Dude. Uh, Nowhere in here was it discussed that they were on drugs. Crack. Just saying. Dude. I'm sorry about that. This case also shares many of those profile points. The victims were well-educated and familiar with the outdoors. Their disappearances weren't the only ones to occur in that area. Richard Willis Bendelli disappeared from the area in 1996. He was also an experienced outdoorsman who had undergone a recent divorce just a year prior. He was thriving and happy, and he even was living with a new girlfriend. He called his mother via a portable phone after a hike, and he told her that his truck had broken down. He suspected that someone else was in the area, and they had actually tampered with his truck. Mm. He marked a turnoff with an empty box so he could be more easily found. 
So his mother and his girlfriend drove to the area, but their vehicle suffered damage to the oil pan, and they actually had to turn back before reaching Richard. Upon searching the area, only two gloves and one black tennis shoe were recovered from Richard's location. When the police discovered his vehicle, they found the battery would actually turn over. They could start the vehicle. But one of the windows was smashed with glass all over the ground. His cell phone and father's shotgun were left inside the vehicle. The search party included volunteers on foot, canine units, planes, and helicopters that searched the roads and lava fields. Police dogs found his scent and tracked it to a nearby road where it was lost. Richard Willis Bendelli was never found. So additionally, with these these two missing women... Inclement weather occurred near the time of the disappearance and delayed search efforts. Right, check. The cause of their deaths was technically left undetermined. Mm. And the location of both Linkert and Elliot Blakesley's bodies were in areas that had already been well searched. Check. Canine units could not find a scent for Linkert. Check. They seemed to temporarily pursue Elliot Blakesley's before resigning from the effort altogether. Okay, this one has a, a bunch of crazy shit, too. Right. Where uh, the dog's being 200 yards away uh, from her from body, her body yeah. and then not finding it. But it sounds like there was that one of the dogs did have a scent. Yeah, they followed it and then stopped and refused. They what? either lost it, but the, the dog was, one of the search dogs was, like, refusing to continue. That makes it, that's weird. It, it, they're trained to search, so I don't understand why it would stop. That was very strange. The fact that the two women pulled up to the trailhead, got out. Left their and dogs and cell phone and shit in the car. Left everything in the car to yeah. go hiking. I don't think that would be the case. Why take the dogs if you're not going to take them with you? Right. I don't understand. Maybe they... Um, mm. They're not going to leave their dogs locked in the car either in September in southern Idaho. No. Uh It's hot. Yeah. So I don't understand what that's all about. So it really just shows that technically, logically, they got out of the car for some reason with the intention of retrieving their things, I guess. I feel like there's two things here. What's that? Uh, Don't go where bears are. (laughs) And that would explain why you leave the dogs in the car. It's like, don't let the dogs out because there's bears. We'll go fuck with the bears because mm-hmm. these are two very smart people. They're like, I'll doctor and teacher this bear. <laughs> and then, you know, blah, blah. Uh, number two, mm-hmm. uh, probably even a bigger one, I think, than the bears. It's probably up there with don't go where sharks live. Right. Uh, probably don't hang out on volcanoes. You don't know what the hell's going on. There's gases from the core of the earth. There's hollow earth reptiles. Oh my God. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in volcanoes. That Listen probably, here, outdoors guy. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> you know, you probably want to stay away from if, bears, sharks, and volcanoes. If we left it up to you, we wouldn't even walk outside to get our mail. Correct. Correct. Because there's crickets out there. I have good advice for people. You should listen to me. Drop everything you're doing. Join me in my way of doing things. Because crickets. Because crickets are scary. Okay, well, that's there's a lot to this one, and fucking none of it makes sense. Yeah, it's very strange. So, but in Idaho, of all places, a right. place that I used, to, I grew up around. Actually, mm-hmm. I was born in that area. So, well, the next one's from Idaho too. Well, let's fucking go there. Well, sadly, bear poop is the underlying theme of a lot of this. Eh? Terrence Woods Jr. was a freelance filmmaker who was working for Raw TV, a production company filming the Gold Rush series for the Discovery Channel in the abandoned mines of Idaho County, Idaho. 
The show followed David Turin as he explored disused mines across the western U.S. On October 5, 2018, they were filming at the Penman Mine in Idaho County near the ghost town of Oro Grande. They were in the larger Nez Perce Clearwater National Forest when Woods disappeared during a shoot on location. He has not been seen since. Woods grew up in Maryland near Washington, D.C., but moved to London to pursue a master's degree. Upon graduating, he worked on high-profile British shows, most notably The Voice UK. Illuminati confirmed. He was familiar with frequent traveling and shooting on location. He had participated in previous shoots in the wilderness of Turkey and Alaska, and his backcountry experience was well above average. He had no history of anxiety or depression. Friends say he wasn't excited to travel for the shoot, which was uncharacteristic. In the early morning of his disappearance, he texted his father that he would be cutting short his time on this shoot by a number of weeks. His father also thought this was uncharacteristic, and Woods provided no explanation as to why. In an email to Raw TV, Woods explained that he was returning home because his mother had health issues. However, his mother had already informed him that she would not be requiring surgery. So the afternoon of the disappearance, Woods was talking with a minor before excusing himself to go use the restroom. An associate producer standing nearby, his name was Simon Gee, he said he had an odd feeling shortly before discovering Woods' headset on the ground. Worried that he had fallen off a nearby cliff, the associate producer approached the edge and actually saw Woods sprinting down the steep incline and disappearing into the tree line of the nearby forest. (laughs) The associate producer told Woods' father that Woods had been running faster than he had ever seen anyone run before. Maybe somebody was making milkshakes in their yard. A few of those on set tried to pursue Woods, but they stumbled on the incline and difficult terrain, returning bloodied and bruised. Hmm. Simon Gee told Woods' father, due to my professional search and rescue training, I stopped running after him out of fear that he'd be further scared. And his story was corroborated by a local woman. Woods left behind his backpack, including a camera bag, pens, over-the-counter painkillers, phone charger, folding tactical knife, and his stun gun. However, he had his phone in his possession when he disappeared. Woods was reported missing that evening, but the search party couldn't be immobilized until the following day. Canine units, ground teams, all-terrain vehicles, and helicopters with FLIR, or which are forward-looking infrared cameras, were dispatched to search the area. Canine units followed his scent down the cliff and through the forest to a road at the base of the cliff where his scent went completely cold. The search continued for seven days, but no trace of Woods has ever been found. The search teams claim that if he had been hurt or injured, they would have found him. In the middle of the search, heavy rain and snow hindered the air support. On that same day in October of 2018, Connie Johnson, 76, was working for Ritchie Outfitters as a camp cook, and she disappeared from that same area. She was 5'7", 140 pounds, and she had formerly worked as a U.S. Forest Service ranger. More recently, she had taken to leading tours through the backcountry. She was in the Big Fog Mountain area at a camp that was only accessible by foot. A group of hunters left her and radioed the next day. 
They received a response from Johnson, but couldn't really understand her message. Hmm. So they returned to camp two days later, and Johnson and her border collie Ace were missing. Oh, not the dog. Upon report of her disappearance, search teams were mounted on foot and horseback, with six canine tracking units and aircraft again equipped with forward-looking infrared devices. However, no trace of Connie Johnson was ever found. Very sad. The active search was suspended on October 16th, 2018. Her dog arrived at the ranger station three weeks later. Gee, but also yay. Afterward, he was fed and checked before they flew the dog back to the search area to look for Johnson. Pupper's doggo on the case. The undersheriff reported that the dog had zero interest in following any scent. Pupper's doggo, fuck this case. So no trace of Connie was ever found. Hmm. Terrence Woods Jr. and Connie Johnson disappeared on the same day from the same area, and neither of them were heard from again. Bad day at that ranger station. Is there a unifying explanation to their disappearances or just a coincidence? These disappearances match several of this profile. Terrence Woods Jr. was well-educated with backcountry experience, and Connie Johnson was a former Forest Service ranger. Shit. Woods Jr. was in strong physical condition, surprising onlookers with his speed and agility. Hey, look at that guy's speed and agility. That's quite surprising. Yeah. Both disappearances occurred sometime in the late afternoon, and they occurred in the same area of the Nez Perce Clearwater National Forest. Additionally, search and rescue teams were unable to discover any tracks for Woods or Johnson, and canine units were unable to pick up a scent. So there's two crazy cases that are very rare. Mm Mm-hmm. On the same day, in yeah. the same place, in the same place, within yeah. just hours of each other. Right. That's nuts. So <laughs> let's take a look at this. Completely producer. unrelated, too. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. They're not, well, unless it's a uh, you know aliens or right, Sasquatch. Right. The Sasquatch right. strikes <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice in one day. But it sounds like lightning struck twice in one day. Where you know, yeah. Basically, basically the the park rangers are like fuck, right? And then fuck again, right? Oh fuck, fuck. What the fuck? Who's, what the fuck's going who's on? Who's not watching the kids? <laughs> Come on, put the gates up. Put the gates back up. But. It right. seems like, uh, first of all, the it's kind of a creepy scenario of the the, the oh, producer Terrence? guy, yeah. Where his buddy, his associate, mm-hmm. is looking over the cliff and he sees him sprinting towards the tree line, yeah, as okay. fast as he can. What are the possible explanations? I don't of that? know. It's well, like, he excused himself to go to the bathroom, and then all of a sudden, he's literally burning a trail <laughs> down the fucking mountainside See, into the tree line. And it's been five years, as if his hair's on fire. It's, it'll be five years here coming up. It Not. Sounds like. A sign of him again. I wonder if he he faked his death to start a new life or something. Well, so it's just ironic and, and co- coincidental that this um, other lady. I fuck. Now I'm all excited and I can't remember her name. Uh, Connie. Connie. The 76 okay. year old woman who uh-huh. is actually a retired forest stranger who knows that who shit taking, really well. Yeah, she's taking hunters in the backcountry and she's their camp cook. Maybe they are connected. Maybe he fell in love with her. And she was pulling up in a car and she ditched her dog because the dog would give her away. And he came a sprinting to her Mm -hmm. and they they went off together and now they live a life, Uh you know, pretty good. She's eight. She's 79. He's whatever the fuck he is. 41. He's having a great time. (laughs) It's probably good stuff. Not funny. Is that? uh, It's not. I don't. Damn. I think it's pretty funny. I don't think so. I think it's possible too. You think? Yeah, it's probably up there. Well, it's probably more probable than Bigfoot. It's my hypothesis. Or Wendigo. I could throw a, a Wendigo in there if or you need it. Or time, you know, the Maybe time. she was a Wendigo. What is it? Shape-shifting. Time continuum. What's it fucking called? I don't know. Stargate? What are we talking I, about? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> 
A bog witch? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I'm thinking guy faked his death. So why would a producer in Hollywood I think you just answered fake it. your you just death? just answered it. Why would he do that? So many reasons. Really? Just for that by itself. Why fake it? Why not just quit your job? Because people, oh God, Illuminati shit. You've already sold your soul to the devil. Oh my God. You're, you've already got yourself, you know, you've eaten four or five babies at this point. So they got you in there. You know, I might be wrong about that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. And I feel bad. I mean, these people are all victims probably to something. Right. Uh, and so I, I don't want to make fun of them. No, we're not. We're, we're trying to make a, we're trying to make light of a situation. Light of a situation a dark, that's, yeah. well, there are no answers here. Yeah. Well, this could be another scenario like a previous one where. They did run into each other, and I mean literally. They were out in the woods, and like two rams that were oh, like, bam! My they locked heads. And, and TBI. Them, and that's why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so both of them fell into separate precipices. Traumatic brain injury into the earth they go. system, and yep. they're dead. And, uh, and plop into the earth. And I'm and sorry And was for crack involved, too? Probably. I mean, that's... Drugs? That's why I, th I feel Traumatic like brain injury? To want to go out to where bears live, mm -hmm. or where sharks live, yeah. or go play on a and volcano... Bears. You need to be on. You need to have done crack a few times in your life and killed mm -hmm. that part of your brain that's like, "Hey, I shouldn't go where bears are." Oh my god! And you know, so then you're like, "I'm where bears are now." Hey Jeff, do you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hashtag not all. Hashtag not all. Uh, but it does seem like there's a lot of crack involved in this. So. <laughs> but no, I, I. It's sad. And this is our last one, right? Uh, so well, it's our last long story. I'm going to go through a couple of really interesting little tidbits. Ooh. But yeah. Let's dig. Yeah. Dig in. Wrapping this dipshit file up with a nice little bow. An insensitive bow. Yeah. So these are just a handful of cases of the likely thousands of national park disappearances. So the missing 411 attempts to draw conclusions between seemingly unconnected disappearances. It does not provide an explanation or cause behind these connections. However, skeptics and believers alike are quick to jump to conjecture about the true cause behind these cases. Ghost bears. Skeptics maintain that these profile points are coincidences Probably. due to data selection, and they explain these cases with a number of these hypotheses. And these are just a few. So, victims who are in peak intellectual and physical condition may overestimate their abilities, mm -hmm. behaving with less caution than necessary for their circumstances. It happens to the best of us. In frigid temperatures, individuals may suffer from hypothermia and begin to paradoxically undress, mm -hmm. a common phenomenon. I've heard of that before. Their confusion during this time could result in distant travel and bizarre behavior, including the removal of clothing like shoes. I've heard of that around everything. Everest and whatnot. Violent criminals may visit or retreat to the national parks in the search of easy victims. For sure. They would prefer these locations because of their lack of surveillance and witnesses. And lastly, victims may have been suffering from depression or mental health issues and may have entered the woods in a final act of surrender. Right. So these are just a few of the hypotheses laid out by the skeptics of the 411 profile. Now, many believers skew toward paranormal explanations as the cause of connection between these cases, which are... Wackadoodle tendencies. A number of extra or ultra terrestrials have been proposed as the cause for these disappearances. Mm, okay. Alien abductors and Bigfoot 
would prefer the seclusion of the national parks and be startled or threatened by the intrusion of hikers. What the fuck does Bigfoot care about people <laughs> hiking and shit? Yeah, Bigfoot, over here, over here. Did you ever want to punch a hiker in the face? Yeah, Mr. Foot does not want to answer any more questions. Oh, just one more question, Mr. Bigfoot. Is that baby a hybrid of a human and a Bigfoot? Yeah, this press conference is over. Some have actually proposed that cloaked beings stalked the woods what? named Glimmer Men. Oh, goodness. Yes. Uh, however, there's uh, very little available information on their supposed purpose or background. Glimmer Man. Glimmer Man. Seagal movie, man. Cave creatures similar to the goblins of Hopkinsville have been proposed because Pilates' map of the missing closely resembles a map of the U.S. cave systems, hmm. which I found fascinating. Right. When you look at the map of the missing mm-hmm. and the map of U.S. caves, they just sit right on top of each other. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. That's likely what's going on. They're falling into Maybe they're falling into precipices or some precipice. So also dimensional rifts in time and space have been suggested as the cause because victims will sometimes vanish instantly, almost in front of witnesses, Mm -hmm. or they will disappear completely without a trace. Mm -hmm. The missing 411 profile doesn't resolve the mystery behind these cases. Right. That'd be tough. So it's, it's a lens for us to view the story, to try and understand that which cannot be understood, trying to find patterns. We're drawn to these mysteries because they seemingly cannot be resolved. So what happened to people who disappeared in the national parks? Seems like a bear thought they were picnic baskets more than once. Like any unexplained phenomena, everyone has their theory. Ghost bears. The creepy stories from national parks, though unsolved and mysterious, often still have patterns. And that's what we were talking about with the 411. Right. Whether rational or paranormal... These chilling stories naturally inspire speculation about urban legends or worse. The national parks of the U.S. were established partly to preserve the plants, animals, and ecology of certain regions, so it certainly makes sense that humans stepping onto these untamed areas should be careful. Or avoid it completely. Bears, mountain lions, and other dangerous animals call the national parks home, and they've been known to attack people. Because you're in their yard. If it wasn't bears or mountain lions, however, some people speculate the paranormal cryptid creatures, such as Bigfoot, could have been involved. Bigfoot's denying it. Believers often claim the missing people could have been used as a food source for these creatures, and that's why so few bodies are ever found. They became Bigfoot poop. The mysterious nature of the disappearances have led to paranormal theories blaming everything from cryptozoological creatures to aliens. One of the less common theories is that the missing people were taken by an evil spirit called the Wendigo. Probably. To those who haven't actually watched uh, the awesome TV show Supernatural and saw the Wendigo episode, the Wendigo comes from the Algonquin folklore and is an evil spirit who terrorizes woods and forests. Like a dick. A portion of the U.S. national parkland was home to the same Algonquin tribes who believed in the Wendigo. However, not all disappearances remain mysteriously unresolved. In February 1978, a student by the name of Stephen Kubaki went missing for 15 months after going skiing in a national park. A student at the time, learning German, he went missing in the Michigan area, uh, an area known as the Great Lakes Triangle, which was actually written about in a book by Jake Gorley. And he talks about the disappearances of hundreds of ships, boats, and aircraft. Mm-hmm. 
search and rescue eventually found his skis and his poles on the beach of Lake Michigan and footprints on the ice leading up to the lake. So they flew over it looking for Gobaki and found that his footprints just appeared to stop. They just ended. Hmm. They found his backpack in the same general area. Well, on May 5th, 1979, 15 months later, Stephen walked up to his father's door and said he didn't remember much. He woke up in Pittsfield, 40 miles from his father's house, lying in a meadow wearing clothes that weren't his. Whoa. He had a small satchel beside him with maps that also weren't his. Did he have all his kidneys? The place he woke up was 700 miles from Lake Michigan. Wow. After 1983, Stephen did go on to get his master's in linguistics and a PhD in clinical psychology. Nice, huh, dude? So. That kind of reminds me of the Flight of the Navigator movie story. Will this thing leak? Navigator, I do not leak. You leak, remember? Another mystery reported by the few who have gone missing and returned. I'm ready. Give it to me. Trails within parks have changed mysteriously, instantly, and without warning. Too much dragon semen. One person told a story of having walked five feet off the trail to look at a sign on a tree. And when she turned back, she said literally the trail was not there. Another person and their son had three hours of unaccounted for time while they were on a trail. In some cases, this is fairly typical lost person behavior, but it can still be quite frightening for those involved. Scared me straight. Point me to the cities. In one case, a three-year-old boy went missing in a national park near Mount Shasta in California and was found five hours later in a thicket of trees. Yikes. He described being taken into a cave by a woman he thought was his grandmother. Fucking yikes. The boy said he eventually figured out she wasn't his grandmother, even though she was polite to him, and concluded that she was a robot because I was some unusual light coming from her head. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes how ghost bear do. When he later recounted the story for his grandmother, she said she would have brushed it off entirely if it weren't for an experience that she had while camping a year prior. Mm-hmm. She claims to have woken up outside of her tent with strange puncture wounds. Vampire butt. In yet another strange story, one man came across a trail area that had weird broken branches eight feet or higher off the ground. So he decided to hike it, looking for signs of Sasquatch. Oh, fuck him running. As he hiked the trail, he was unable to shake the feeling someone was watching him. It was an agitated squirrel. So he turned around, and the man saw a woman walking towards him, but he noticed she was somehow moving towards him quicker than her strides should have been taking her. Creepy. They stared at each other, and then he noticed she had no distinguishable features or clothing. Creepy. He turned back and kept walking, and when he turned around again, she was gone. So... Crack. One simple theory is that lost people can do irrational things. Especially on drugs. Under strange conditions, people can do strange things. Panicked mountain climbers often remove all their clothes, even in freezing temperatures, which could explain why missing people are sometimes found in the wrong clothes or completely undressed. When people experience something scary or unexplainable, their mind can fill in the blanks in strange ways or even block out the trauma completely. That's why some suggest the strange details surrounding the National Park's disappearances could simply be explained by the fact that lost people do weird things. So do non-lost people. At the end of the day, looking for answers, we're only left with more questions, though. That and the memory of those who have unexplainably disappeared. So what are your thoughts on this? Stay the fuck out of the woods. (laughs) 
<laughs> is my thoughts. No. On this. Yes. Let's talk about our full thoughts in this conclusion. What do our dipshits think about today's topic? Yeah. Stay the fuck out of the woods. I like to camp. <laughs> I'm a camper. Bears live out there. You're like, hey, I want to go hang out in the front yard of a bear. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel I like do. that's... Okay. And I, mean, I might, you know, I don't know, decide to take off running really fast in one direction, <laughs> plow into a tree, give myself a TBI, yeah. fall off a cliff, yeah. and then disappear, and then, you know... Start your life over somewhere else, and then yeah. remember it five years later and come back All and be like, hey, sorry. Bears and crickets. Because, yeah, because you decided to go where bears live. I mean, that's the thesis I like to of this. camp. I really do. And I like to hike. I used to. At this point, I never do those things. But I love to camp. I love to hike. Well, I've always loved that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically all the no, things out, out in the woods, if you were to just stay out there and not be really prepared, you'd die. Well, that's the whole point. Be right. prepared. These people were prepared. They were. So then there's the point being thrown away. Like <clears throat> the odds of you becoming bear poop is high. There's no sign that any of these were bear. In fact, because bears are do bears poop in the forest. It's still a debate. <laughs> we don't even fucking know. There's poop on the rabbit. What am I talking about? You're talking about a bear wiping its ass with a rabbit is I, what you're doing. That's I what get I was trying it. to I remember go there. The, I remember the cartoon. I was trying to go there. I remember the cartoon. But the, the, it's a high likelihood that they're bear poop. Yeah. No. All of them. I disagree. Well, I mean, they found a lot of the bodies of them. Here's what I learned okay. from this episode. Okay. More about bears. Right. I did not know that bears started eating you when you were alive. Me like they like human sushi. Not even sushi. We're like it's we're still, raw it's and It's still wriggly. yelling. Yeah. They, they eat us like Gollum eats a fish. I didn't know that either. That's even more reason <laughs> to take your goddamn ass back to the suburbs, back to the city where you're fucking by idiot ass is supposed to be. Nope. I don't mean to call you an idiot. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're an idiot for going out where bears live. Well, you see, I, it's brilliant. It's even worse for me. The ghost bears? Because right, they can smell least, my fear. No. And they're coming for you what because of my fear. They're not going to smell your fear they will. from 450 miles away because your wife camps alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's fair. I'll be... I'll okay, be, but, okay, not 450, like 75 miles. Yeah. But your wife mm -hmm. does not camp with you no? because you won't go camping. No, I don't want to camp. Because bears and crickets. And mosquitoes. Oh, that's right. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm a delicacy for mosquitoes, apparently. I had no idea. I don't know what my blood type Who is that knew makes mosquitoes it special. mosquitoes like, you know, like gas station dough. hot dogs and cookie dough. And cookie dough. <laughs> and burritos. And don't burritos. Forget the, it's a gas okay. station burrito. I don't eat hot dogs from a gas station. Okay. How right. dare you? I said gas station burritos, didn't I? I don't know. I think you said hot dogs. I, this is recorded. We can actually look back now. You sure can. I, I may have said hot dogs because when I said it, I was picturing a hot dog in my head. Because we had hot dogs for uh, a snack today. Yes, we did. All right. Well, this one overall is I, bears, bear poop. I don't know. I'm still on the fence with these. They boggled my mind, which the, is why I wrote about them. Right. Very interesting. And these are one of thousands. That's the, or 1,500 or something like that. Well, there's, that all... si there's 16, it's estimated very conservatively, 1,600 missing people in the U.S. parks. Right. Okay. U.S. national parks. Over the last 10 years, five um, years, something like total. that. Total. Oh, okay. Ever? That's but that's it. But they're saying several people between are saying between two and ten times more than mm. that. Okay. That's how 
that's how unsure we are. It does seem like a perfect place for a serial killer it to does. conduct their business. It does. And, and that's part of the skeptics thing is the killers, yeah. the criminal element yeah. where it's really good to commit crimes out there because there's no cameras and no witnesses. Right. It's a 0% chance it was mm-hmm. a Wendigo, Sasquatch, uh, maybe a 1% it's, chance it was an alien abduction never, or something. Never zero. Uh, Zero. It's it's, it's minuscule. Never it's zero. statistically insignificant chance. I, I, I would but say not zero. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would say that. <laughs> I mean, there's also a chance that uh, they were raptured, uh, that Satan came up and grabbed them by the cojones and pulled them their little right? souls out of their bodies. The, the uh, chance it's never zero. Right. There you go. Uh, they could have been right? attacked by the Stargate Goa'uld. Maybe. And I don't know what's going on. I don't I don't think it was that. I, I think, think it we're was really reaching. I think, you think it was some serial killer that killed them? I think a lot of. Um, I think in at least a couple of cases, people hit their heads and mm-hmm. acted a fool. I think in one case, they might have got hypothermia, took all their clothes <clears throat> off, and acted right. a fool because that right. happens all the time. Uh, I think bear poop is one case. The guy that's missing and gone forever. Well, that was just the weird thing, though, because they thought potentially the same thing because they found bone. But did the bear kill him? We don't know. There were no tooth marks on the skull that they found. Right. They did find bone in the scat, but no cloth, what? which is very apparently very common in wolves and bears to find cloth after eating a human. Right. Because this guy they, was naked, wasn't it? This is the naked guy. No, this is a guy oh. they found nothing. His clothes were scattered around, oh, but they found blood in a, in a hat, blood and hair in a hat. Okay. His stuff was kind of scattered around. They thought he was sitting on his backpack. Okay, so I back up. That one's aliens for sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, that's the one that you said the guy was... I think he... You, I don't remember now because you said somebody was beaten in the woods. Oh, one of them was, and then he well, got then attacked he by naked. a bear. Yeah, well, I mean that's a that's an maybe obvious that one. was the first one. I mean, you're enticing the animal. You're taking the wrapper off for the animal for the food that it oh likes. Oh my god! It'll eat you raw. It'll eat you alive and wriggling. All raw. right, I think we've pretty much wrung this one out. Our dipshits okay. are the U.S. government. I'm the dipshit. This I think week. no. I'm, I'm I definitely think, the dipshit. I think the U.S. government's the dipshits. Personally. Um, I mean, and, and for not keeping good data. Well, why isn't it? That's just it. Why yeah. don't they have good data? There should be a database of all missing people. Yeah, there's probably a lot of very angry family members that are like, right. "What in the fuck, you guys?" Come well, I mean, on. there's got to be a, in that database. It should be cross-referenced of where people went missing. Hmm. You know, I mean, they do for cities. Right. And it certainly hurts us podcasters that need that information. Our audience is craving this information. Well, it makes, at the very least, it makes for urban legend. It does. It makes for weird conversation. And it allows people's imaginations to run away with them because there's no database. They're like, well, why not? Right. And Monique is basically saying because aliens. Because, no. Get it straight. It's the Wendigo. Wendigo aliens, which are probably aliens. I think they are aliens. All right. Well, fucking A. So uh, don't go to national parks Mm -hmm. because they don't want you there anyway. (laughs) Uh, That's not for you. (laughs) Um, Also, if you're hanging out where bears are, you're Mm -hmm. probably on crack. Uh Uh-huh. And you shouldn't do crack. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point. You shouldn't do crack because it makes you want to go hang out on volcanoes, Mm. punch sharks in the face, and Mm -hmm. be with bears. And likelihood when you hang out with bears of becoming bear poop is much higher than if you don't hang out with where bears are. And these are the lessons that we teach here at the Dipshit Files. Thank you, Mrs. Scriptkeeper. Oh, thank you, Mr. Scriptkeeper. Yes. Fucking really interesting <laughs> ride down into some place I've never heard of. Well, this has been fun. It has been fun. Mm-hmm. It's what a weird day. 
Yeah, right. I thought it was a wonderful day. It was a wonderful day. In, uh, info at scatcast.com. Yeah, I mean, if you guys out there have some answers or at least some ideas of why, first of all, where's the database? Right. Why isn't there one? Um, and uh, any ideas that if you're familiar with these stories, what are your thoughts? Mm. I mean, is it traumatic brain injury? Probably. What didn't we come up with? Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean. Most of the things that are probably I'm, I'm true. Sure, probably. I'm sure. Yeah. It was probably a deer. A deer killed the guy. Oh, my And God. then a skunk ate him. And nobody checks the skunk. <laughs> they just don't. You know that. Okay. That's enough for today. Thank okay. you, Bodhi, our, yes. our quartermaster. Yes. Research assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a, a script coming soon. Yep, so we can, we can check into that. I'm curious to see who the dipshit will be for CERN. I know. Uh, I'm I excited pro- It'll probably that. be me for not understanding quantum <laughs> physics or particle <laughs> physics very well. But uh, Bodhi is part of our trusted triad of turds. Yes. The T-Tots. The T- <laughs> no, the no, that can't T- be right. T3. T3. T3 is much better. T cubed? T-Tot. T-Tot. To talk, it's like, I don't know. We're it's an organic thing. We're, yeah. no, but they they are trusted social media people and helpful people that have uh, really kind of come to the table to help us with a whole bunch of different things. Yep, Don the Shitbox Wizard, including our Shitbox, which is S H Kitty Butthole T. Yes, and then you'll find it, and that's all Scatcast related. And Don is a wonderful host, mm-hmm. and will show you all of the things that can be uh, done and explored and enjoyed yeah. in the Shitbox. He's great. And then we have Chris, our Discord Dookie Slayer. Yes, exact same thing. Yep, lovely host. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll probably give you a little more shit than Don does. Yep. he's yep. a little bit more of a shitster. I like. He's that a little. Sp- what is how does Shaden Shane puts it? He's a little spicy. A little spicy. He's spicy. Spicy, <laughs> and I like that both <laughs> both places because Discord is a bit spicier yeah. than Facebook. Although Facebook. Gets very spicy, but well, if it gets too spicy, then we get flagged and Zuckerberg. I know, you know, I know. But Discord, just a perfect amount of spice. Yeah, and it's our little private thing. So, yeah. so we have probably the two best hosts for those two things, and we're very thankful for that. Yes. And of course, Bodie, the research guy, uh, mm-hmm. he's been valuable to me as a scat cat guy, as a skit scat maker, because he's mm-hmm. given a lot of ideas. I consider him a producer on Scatcast as well. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that more in the future. But thank you guys for uh, visiting scatcast.com, checking mm-hmm. out the merch, mm-hmm. doing all that shit on patreon.com forward slash scatcast. That is how we eat. Yes. <laughs> thank you, you guys. Thanks. We love all of the support, all the awesome. emails, writing in. Uh, we, we love it. Thank you so much. I had no idea that we would get the kind of response and support and stuff. Uh, so thank you so much for that. We appreciate it a ton. And I think this is about the time that we say uh, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Files. Bing bong.